Being a professional isn't about the money you make, the position you hold, your level of expertise or fame. It's the motivation and the attitude you bring to your work. A desire for always learning and improving and balancing your creative output with getting the business done. Welcome and join the Creating Pros. Hi and welcome back to Creating Pros. I'm your host, Jim Nettles. This week, we're going to do a little bit of a mini workshop about tools. Now, every craft out there has its tools and its toolboxes. You know, in the digital age, these tools change quite frequently. So why are we taking the time to talk about this this week? Well, uh, one of the things that I've run into a lot quite recently in the publishing industry is a question of what do we do? What do we use? Uh, because, we, of course, we see a lot of things happening, like we've been talking about with things like ChatGPT and some of the other AI-type tools. But more fundamentally, one of the things that's come up working with some clients as of late, working even with some people that have been in the field for a while, is a lot of a question about what tools should I be using right now based on what's going on. You know, for a lot of creators out there, uh, it's really becoming a challenge to keep up with what are the things that are happening in the business and in the industry. And even though a lot of the things we're going to be talking about tonight are, are geared towards writers and creators, fundamentally, these are going to be the same kinds of questions that come up for any small business owner and really any business owner, period. So there's really four questions we're looking at here that we want to talk through tonight. And the first question really is, what are the tools that I need? What's the bare minimum I need to get anything done? And then we're going to talk a lot about what tools are out there. Uh, what you can get for free, what do you really need to pay for, and what are some of the options you're going to be looking at. So let's actually start with the first basic question. What tools do you need? And the real question here is, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? What do you need to get done, and how can you get it done and get the work completed? Well, today we're going to talk about some of the tools that help you work in any kind of small business. And as always, we're looking at the tools that really make creative business work. Now, there are certain fundamentals that pretty much in anything today you're going to have to have. Number one is going to be some kind of a good computer, good laptop. Uh, maybe you can get away with a tablet, other things like this. Number two is you've got to have a solid word processing tool. You've got to be have a way to get ideas on the page, to get things done, things documented. You also are going to need a good solid spreadsheet. And uh, for a lot of people out there that may not be a big fan of spreadsheets, they're great for a lot of things. Obviously, the accounting, but they're also really helpful tools for planning and keeping inventories, things like that. You're also going to need to do some basic graphics work, some basic image work, You know, whether that's creating small ads, um, small frames, uh, even kind of things that you're prototyping in. You're going to want and need to be able to do some basic graphic and image type work. You're going to need email. Um, you know, there's a lot of free services out there. There's a lot of paid services. Uh, you're going to need a mailing list. You're going to need that way to keep in touch with your clients, your customers, with the people that are interested in staying in touch with you. And last but not least, at a bare minimum, you're going to need some sort of website or landing page something to tie all of it together. Now, the last three we're going to talk about in future episodes because they're all going to be much more deep dives. But why do you need this list as a very bare minimum operating kind of assumption? Well, these are really the basic tools of the modern world. And again, we're going to tackle things like email, mailing lists, and websites 
down in the future. But let's cover kind of those operational basics of what you need. So let's talk about this a little bit further. You know, the first question is what kind of tools are out there and what can you get for free? Because obviously this is one of those first things, especially depending where you're at in your career or if you're just getting started. You know, a lot of the time, a lot of the basic tools we need are available to us at no direct charge to you. And we'll talk a little bit more about what free means as we go along. Now, there's a couple of models. The first thing uh, in terms of how to acquire software, how to use software, well, the first thing you can always do is buy a license. I mean, this is the, the first most obvious thing. This is the traditional model of I'm going to use some particular tool. I'm going to get a license for it. And that cost for a license can be anywhere between free and tens of thousands of dollars, depending on what it is. The second option you've got out there now, which is becoming much more common and much more popular, is the idea of software as a service. Uh, this is something we've dealt with in the technology industry for a much longer period of time. But it's also now becoming one of those things where we see, um, you know, where you're just paying a monthly or a quarterly or an annual fee for access to the tool. The next thing that we've seen that is really kind of the anchor for the consumer markets is freemium where there's a free version that gives you limited access or limited functionality, limited tools, limited size, limited space. Uh, but if you really want to use certain core functionality or want to use those things that are really time savers or big functional boosts, you're going to have to pay something for those. And last but not least, it's what's called open source which means that in general, it's something that is free or done at a nominal charge. And even often you're going to be able to get into the code bases and work with and work with these tools at no cost, assuming that it's not for a commercial purpose. And open source tools are often a really good alternative and solution. And we're going to talk about some of those here too. So let's start with word processing. Um, you know, the basic standard that's out there and has been the standard for decades is Microsoft Office. It's, you know, the Word product. Microsoft Office and Word is the standard tool that pretty much everybody is going to use because it is a good blend of functionality. It has its pain points, but it is a functional word processing system. It has a lot of power. It has a lot of tools and a lot of capabilities. Like anything, it does have its weaknesses. Now, the next tool, and this is one that, again, I use as well, is Scrivener. Uh, for writers that are out there, if you are familiar with Scrivener or not, it is a really powerful tool that isn't hard to le learn the basics of, but to really use all of the tools and capabilities. It takes a while, but it's a really powerful tool. Now, I use Scrivener largely for novels or series or if I'm working on collections of articles, things along these lines. I use it primarily for book projects. Reason being is it's an easy way for me to organize my work. It lets me pull things together, and it lets me structure what I need to of the book inside of the tool. And it's really handy, really helpful to work with and to use. Uh, another tool, and this is one that I use as well, is Evernote. Now, I primarily use Evernote for keeping notes, doing articles, drafting things when I'm on the road because it's cloud-based. Um, I can work, get to it from pretty much anywhere as long as I've got an internet connection. And so it's a really easy to use tool. Again, it's something that lets you get things organized, 
import, export. And one of the nice things about Evernote is it lets you collaborate very easily. And so if you've got a couple of people that you're working on a project, you're working with editors, things like this, Evernote can be a really easy and handy tool to move information around. Now, all of those are in that paid model in some way, shape, or form, whether it's licensed or software as a service. Let's talk about some of the, the I'm going to use the term free options. Now, one of the things that I'm going to mention here is this. There's no such thing as free. In general, if you are using a product and you're not paying for it, then you are ultimately the product. And we see this and we'll talk about, about this a lot more when we get into email and things like this. But one of the really popular common tools to use that is generally free is that of Google Docs. Now, Google Docs offers a lot of power, a lot of capabilities. It stores it in the cloud. It allows you to share that information and, and pass things around really easily. Now, it does have its limitations. Um, but for general basic word processing, it does work pretty well. Um, now let's talk about a couple of the options I like that are open source. The first of which, and I've used this for years and years, is Apache's OpenOffice. Um, it is a great suite of tools. It looks and feels much like the Microsoft Office suite, as does the next one I'm going to talk about, which is LibreOffice. Um, this is much more about a personal preference versus functionality. Um, LibreOffice does look and feel a little bit shinier, a little bit more modern. Both of these as open source tools work quite well, as long as you keep in mind both of them also, again, have certain limitations. But for the vast majority of people, you're going to be able to do the majority of things you need to with them as options for word processors. Now, if you're on a Mac, you probably have Pages, um, Notepad on Word or on, uh, on Microsoft. You've got a lot of other really basic note, note-taking, Notepad type of functionality, which you can use to write in. But the limitations are pretty significant there. So let's talk about some of the pluses and minuses of each of these, because from a document management, from a word processing standpoint, all of these are really good and valuable tools when used for their particular purposes. My process that I use, and there's a couple of reasons for this, is in general, I'm going to draft either in Scrivener or in Evernote. Depends on the work that I'm working on. And I'll do the draft, but I'll edit in Microsoft Word to finish it up. The reason being that Microsoft Word offers a lot of different tools uh, to make editing easier, to keep document revisions, tracking history, things like this. And ultimately, if you're going to be a writer and you're working in the publishing industry, Microsoft Word is the standard. To be able to use all of the comment functions, to be able to use track changes, a lot of the basic functionality of being a writer and working in the business, Microsoft Word is going to be your solution. When you look at the open source alternatives like OpenOffice or Libre, um, they offer some of the same capabilities, but they don't always merge and mesh well with others and other tools, depending on the versions, how things are done and formatted. So if you're going to be a writer and you're going to be working in the industry, you're going to be working with editors, people like that, you're going to need to go to Microsoft Word because that is fundamentally the tool that is the backbone of the industry.
And we're going to dive into that a little bit more as well. Now, let's talk a little bit here about spreadsheets. Now, there's really only two here I'm going to look at and talk about in depth. Number one is Microsoft Office and the Excel product. Number two is Google Sheets. Now, again, Microsoft Office has both a SaaS and an online license program, as well as having the cloud-based solution. Google Sheets, again, is a cloud-based solution that is free. There's a lot of power in it. Both of them work very well. Um, which one works for you? If you're already going ahead and licensing the Office suite, then Excel integrates very well with what you might want to do with Word. So again, spreadsheets are really helpful for a lot of different purposes. I use them, obviously, for accounting functions. I use them uh, to do a lot of routing, planning, mapping. I do a lot of work with them in consulting. So spreadsheets are really helpful, very versatile tools. And it's one of those things that if you can learn to love and embrace the spreadsheet, you're going to find it to be very helpful. The last big piece I want to talk about today is going to be on images. And in the modern world, when we look at things like social media platforms, we're a very visual society. And as we go along, it's now gone from, if we look at social media platforms, again, websites, it's gone from heavy text, a few images, up to where it's very image heavy, and now even very video heavy. So depending on what you're doing on social media platforms, on your website and whatnot, you're going to want to be able to do a certain basic level of work with images or have somebody that can help do that for you. So in looking at images, image manipulation, uh, the first thing that you're going to hear out there is the industry standard is the Adobe suite. You know, for example, Photoshop, Illustrator, there's a lot of tools that are in and involved in the complete Adobe suite of tools. There's a tremendous amount of power there. There's also a fair amount of skill. There's a fair amount of lift and work that you've got to do to learn to use these tools. So while I have and use the Adobe suite quite frequently, it's not necessarily my go-to tool until I'm necessarily doing certain kinds of finishing work or other things like that. A lot of the time, another tool that you can use that is very similar, it has a lot of the same kind of power, it's not necessarily as refined, but it is an open source tool. It's a free tool to go out there and use, and it's called GIMP, G-I-M-P. And GIMP is, again, open source. It's free to get, free to use. It has a little bit more of a learning curve, but it has a lot of the same power and often in many ways feels very similar to working with and using uh, the Adobe suite. Other tools that are very similar to this are Krita and Inkscape. Now, when you look at these two tools compared to GIMP, these three tools together as a tool suite make a really powerful combination because each of them has their sweet spot. Each one of them has certain capabilities where it's stronger than others, and each of them has certain learning curves. But if you look at GIMP, Krita, and Inkscape together as a package and as a suite, even though they're not made by the same organizations, even though they're not really related, each of them has nuances and areas where they work much better depending on what you're trying to do, whether it's animation, whether it is photo touch-ups, photo enhancements, things like this. And if you're looking at doing video or you're doing animation, 
you can also look at a tool called Blender. And all of these are in that open source space, though some of them do have commercial and paid levels as well. Now, another tool that probably you've at least gone out and seen, if not played with, is called Canva. Now, Canva is a fantastic example of what I was referring to as the freemium model. If you go into Canva, you can create an account for free. There's a lot of things that you can go out there and do for free. The very basic flat model offers a lot of power, a lot of options, but it does not give you but so much of a level of being able to customize images or do certain things. There's also a lot of the fonts or images, effects, things like this that require you to have that paid level. So if you're not really skilled in animation, if you're not skilled in uh, doing photo editing or doing basic cleanup, Canva as a tool is a really powerful but easy to use low learning curve tool that lets you build you know, memes. It lets you go out there and build ad campaigns. It lets you go out there and build even basic websites, things like this pretty much at a nominal cost. Even if you decide to go with the paid version of it, it really is quite inexpensive for the level of power that it gives you. Another one as well that's similar to this is Figma. Figma is also kind of a more powerful version and a more powerful suite, a little bit more complexity. Now, I just ran through a lot of tools very, very quickly, and I know this, but most of these should sound at least somewhat familiar to you. Now, the question then is, what do you really need to pay for? And as I alluded to earlier, there is the first idea. Nothing is free. If you're not writing the check for it, you're not paying for it, well, you are in some way, shape, or form. For example, if you are not paying for it, but it's a cloud-based solution, then undoubtedly, uh, for example, with like Google, when you look at Google Docs, uh, Google Email, any of these sorts of things, Part of the way that you are paying for that service is all of your material gets scanned. It gets OCR'd. It's searched for ways to market to you. It's pulling and polling for that data. Now, not necessarily Google, but other sources in the past, if you uploaded, for example, your photos to a site uh, for file sharing or for file storage, other things like this in the past, and this still does go on, you're going to find out that you're giving up some or even potentially all of your rights to images or written word when you use these tools and platforms. So if some, if you're not writing the check for something especially, if you're using a tool, make sure you understand the terms and conditions by which you're licensing and using the platform to make sure that by getting something for free, it's not costing you a whole lot more. Now, another thing is this, with the open source tools that we talked about and open source products, one of the things to be aware of here is that often what you'll find is that, again, they may have a, that free level or the free basis where you're getting everything for free. But if you're using it for commercial purposes, you may be required to license it or you may be required to pay a certain fee. Um, or they may just make their revenues based off of corporate clients, corporate customers, uh, or getting things for like creating basis of support. Uh, so you'll find that a lot of the time, those technology-driven type tools are really paid for by businesses and customers. But be aware if you may be crossing that line 
where you might need to be paying for the license or you'll be actually out of compliance with what the license says. Now, beyond that, when you're trying to figure out, what do I need to buy? What do I need to license? I get into this conversation a lot and not just about these tools, but a lot about much larger, more complex platforms. The hardest thing is often trying to figure out what features you really do need. Let me say that again. Understand what features and what functionality you need to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to do. So for example, when we talked about word processing, um, there's a lot of different platforms that are out there and there's a lot of different tools, each one of which has very specific uses. Why do I use Scrivener to start writing the book, but I edit in Word? Well, it's because the two platforms serve very different purposes for me. It's worth it to me to pay for both licenses. Uh, number one, because it helps me organize my work better. Um, Scrivener as a writing tool is really a great organizational stru and structural tool. That being said, it has its limitations. If I go to Word to do my editing, a couple of things happen. Number one, it shifts kind of the mindset I'm approaching the work with. Because I mentally know that if I'm writing in Scrivener or if I'm working in Scrivener or Evernote, I'm writing. I'm coming up. I'm developing the structure. I'm developing the story. Maybe I'm working on the article. I'm pulling together research. I'm in much more of a creative mode. Then when I go to Word, I'm in more of an editorial mode. I'm in much more of an analytical mode. I'm evaluating the work that's there. Now, it can be a little bit of work to then take those revisions or changes that I might make in Word and bring them back into Scrivener if I need to make material changes or structural changes. But it's worth it to me to go out there and do that. Same thing is true as if I'm drafting in Evernote. If I'm drafting in Evernote, it's saving, it's stored out there on the cloud. And while we're talking about this idea of writing to editing, a couple of tools we didn't talk about yet um, really are more the tools that help look at grammars, look at style, help me do a lot of self-editing work. Uh, two tools that I use, number one is Grammarly, and number two is Pro Writing Aid depending on what I'm doing and what I'm working on will help me determine which one of the two tools I use. Now, one of the things to be aware of, and I did talk about this a little bit in last week's show, is that where we're seeing a lot of change in the industry because so much AI written work is coming out or really AI driven work is coming out and being submitted to publishers uh, for articles, blog posts, all this sort of stuff. We're seeing the big change in the industry where now we're scanning that work to see what the quality of it is. What is the likelihood or what percentage of it is AI driven? Um, there's a lot of ways that that works and how we can tell what potentially was written or created by AI or at least strongly influenced by it. And by using some of these tools like Pro Writing Aid or Grammarly, you're much more likely to show up and score at least to some extent as having AI influence in the work. This is not necessarily a problem. If you're down in the less than 10% range, this is one of those things that's easily understandable that you used a tool to go ahead and do some cleanup work. But it doesn't mean that an AI wrote the entire work or the entire piece. And 
another thing I'll mention is with so many of these tools today, you're not yet paying for them, but you will be very soon. And what you don't know about some of those tools is that you are paying for them with your time, with some of the information that you've now given to these platforms that they now can use in teaching and training the next generations of these tools and platforms. Your contributions will be out there and they're there for eternity. Um, so just kind of have that understanding. What do you need in your tools? And when you get that understanding, when you've gone through and evaluated, do I need to get the free version? Do I need to get the paid version? Do I just need to license the paid version for a limited period of time? These are decisions you're going to have to make, you know, on an individual basis and on a given timely basis. Um, so again, I've given you a lot of tools to look at that'll help you cover the basics. Now, one other thing to keep in mind is this. Sometimes it's worth it to give a new platform a shot. Sometimes they will have a, you know, a one-time licensing fee uh, to be able to go out there and license use of their platform with a lifetime license. Sometimes that is straight up and legitimate. Other times, you know, you then get into bumps and additional functionality and whatnot. Uh, one of the things I'll talk about in the future, are some of the different services you can use to find good legitimate products during these stages. And the benefit of getting these is that sometimes you can get not only what might be an early stage tool now, but you'll get to pay for something now that you're going to use for years to come. And you're going to have both help sponsor and fund the creation of that tool, but you're going to also get the benefit that for a long, for a long time. There's a lot of the tools that I use that, again, I bought and licensed during early stage. I may have been sitting on some of them for two or three years. They're just now maturing to the point that they're useful for me. But because I was abil or had the ability to license them you know, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and watch where they went, and now they're getting to the point where I may be retiring something I pay for to swap over to these, uh, to these other tools. So have an idea of the functionality, understand the features you need, and understand there are a lot of options that come up every day that need, you know, will help you move forward as a small business. So what is my opinion of the one tool you need to buy and license? And you may be able to guess this. If you're a writer, if you're going to be in the publishing industry, you need to license Microsoft Word. You may or may not license the entire Office suite, but you do need to license Microsoft Word and this is a long conversation I just had. Um, I've had with several clients and people we've been working with that use other tools. They're like, well, I like this. I like that. That's great. But to work with the tools that we use as a platform, as a business, as an industry, Microsoft Word is that standard. And if you're not able to work with teams of people that are disparate all over the place, then you're going to really limit yourself in the business. If you're going to be a writer, you do need to have the full licensed Microsoft Word version because this is going to be the tool that is the tool of your industry. Now, for those of you who may be working in other areas of creativity, you're going to find that you too have those tools that really are the requirements of meeting a certain level of professionalism. But beyond that, if you're just getting started, if you're just really trying to get out there in the world, if you're really trying to find your feet and trying to figure out what you need to do, 
keep in mind, there's a lot of great open source tools that are out there that are available for you to use. Give them a try and figure out whether or not you like them, like their capabilities. But ultimately, if you're moving along in your career, at some point, most of these tools are going to have something comparable that is easier to use. It will save you time, may even give you greater creative flexibility and functionality. And that's when it's time to upgrade and write a check and license the tools. I hope this was helpful this week to kind of give you a run through of some of your options that are out there in the industry. There's a, obviously a lot of other big tools that are out there, but I've used every single thing that we've talked about so far tonight. Uh, and so do go out there and give some of these things a try. Evaluate them. See what might help you save time. See what might help you be more creative. See what might help you find your vision in a new or a different way. And keep in mind, all of these things are tools. There's nothing that is more valuable than the tool of your own mind. Until next week, this has been Creating Pros, and I'm your host, Jim Nettles. We'll see you again soon.